Hi, um, I'm Julie Peterson, Associate Professor and Extension Specialist in Entomology at the West Central Research and Extension Center in North Platte. Um, I'm pleased to share with you all some information that we have learned uh, for Western corn rootworm management based on several years of different trials and projects that we've done at the Stumpf International Wheat Center and in some surrounding fields in that Grant and Ogallala area. Our most common species in Nebraska is the western corn rootworm. This is a yellow beetle with black stripes. Adults emerge July through August, um, sometimes even later into September. They're going to be mating and laying eggs in cornfields and then spending the winter as eggs in the soil. They'll then hatch out as larvae next spring, and this is when the larvae do most of their economic damage. They'll be feeding on corn roots, um, and this can lead to physiological yield loss. Obviously, a corn plant that's been damaged by larval feeding can't take up water and nutrients as effectively. And then it can also result in um, goosenecking and lodging that makes harvest more difficult as well. Corn rootworm management in Nebraska usually involves um, the need to use more than one type of management approach or more than one management option. Um, some of those include crop rotation. This is by far the most effective management tool. Um, the larvae really can only feed on corn roots and a few other species of closely related grassy weeds. So if you are rotating your crop to non-corn, and as long as you do a pretty good job of managing the volunteer corn in that crop, that can really just completely bring that rootworm population in the field all the way down to zero. Um, that is a really a key part of a long-term management strategy to keep populations low. Um, aerial insecticide applications for adult beetles is also um, another tool. Using um, BT traits and using seed treatments. Um, using at-plant insecticides that would target the larvae. And then finally using biological control to supplement these other tools. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about each of these options. So first, looking at aerial insecticides for adult control, this is really um, approaching it with two different goals in mind, um, depending on what you have going on in your field at the time. So the first would be the need to control adults right now within this season in order to prevent silt clipping um, from happening. Now, this occurs when you have really high beetle populations. So we're talking upwards of um, more than five up to 15 beetles per plant. So very large numbers. And they're also feeding on the silks and clipping those silks back to less than half an inch. And this is when pollination is still 50% or less completed. So there's a window of time there where if you have very high beetle populations, you may need to spray to prevent silt clipping from being so bad that pollination is actually interfered with. Um, maybe a more common approach or a more often necessary approach for um, spraying for adult beetles is to prevent egg laying um, and you're actually not worrying about current beetles in the field this season doing damage. What you're thinking about is the beetles that are there laying their eggs, and then those eggs will spend the winter and result in larval populations the next year. So this other approach is thinking about management now that actually helps you down the line next year for managing beetle populations. 
Choice of insecticide product is going to be really important whenever you're spraying for adult rootworm beetles. Um, and this is due to the numerous different times that rootworm beetles have evolved resistance to different products. Um, Nebraska has a long history of this kind of resistance. The most recently documented is actually just in the last five years, we've shown that pyrethroids alone are really no longer adequate to control Western corn rootworm adults is where we first noticed it, but this actually does also translate over to larvae also showing pyrethroid resistance. Um, and this has been documented in southwest and west central Nebraska. So some of our more common and some of our least expensive products that we have really relied on a lot, a lot things like Brigade and Capture, um, Force would be another one. These are all in that pyrethroid grouping and we are seeing concerns, um, we are seeing resistance to these products from Western corn rootworm in our part of the state. So I really wanna encourage you to move away from using those, especially using those by themselves and rotate in some other mode of action insecticides um, to um, try to move away from that resistance and try to move towards more effective products. So this is actually a figure that comes from some of that work that we did on the pyrethroid resistance, just to give you an idea of the sorts of issues that we were seeing. So um, what this is showing is the names of different populations of um, rootworms that have been collected from, um, mostly from Nebraska, but from a few other states as well. Now we expose these beetles to an amount of bifenthrin, which is a very common active ingredient of pyrethroid. We expose them to an amount that was supposed to kill 99% of them. Now the populations here from Saunders County, Nebraska, Saline, Kansas, um, those are actually not different from the expected 99% dead. So those that are down at the bottom in blue, we're showing those beetle populations are still um, susceptible to the bifenthrin. The bifenthrin still works for them. But all the other populations that are up higher that's in sort of this reddish color, um, these are ones that actually died at a significantly lower amount um, versus what was expected when they were um, had bifenthrin applied to them. Um, so this would include multiple different populations you see on there from Keith County, Perkins County, and Chase County, our southwest part of the state of Nebraska. Um, you can see there also were some from um, northwest Kansas on there as well. Um, but just to give you an idea that in some areas and some fields in southwest Nebraska, we um, exposed the beetle to an amount of bifenthrin pyrethroid that was supposed to kill 99%. And at very worst, for a few of those Perkins County uh, fields, it only killed 4% of the beetles. So definitely a significant resistance showing up there. And so this is the concern we have if folks are gonna be using pyrethroids by themselves, is that we don't want you to end up with this sort of a, a situation where you only have four or 5% of your beetles dying when you're expecting to see 99% or more. Now, um, at the Grant Research Farm, our crew has done uh, several years of BT trait, uh, seed treatment, and at-plant insecticide um, testing. This is using small plot trials, mostly located at the stump farm itself. Um, and we have been using this um, 
small plot planter that's shown here. We have it set up where we can actually switch between different liquid and granular um, at plant insecticides that are being put down in the furrow. Uh, we can also switch seeds. So we're able to test different seeds that have different BT traits in them or have different um, seed coatings or seed treatments on them. Um, and this has really opened up our ability to um, test side by side um, under heavy rootworm pressure at the grant farm, how these different control methods and how these different products actually work. One of the main ways that we assess impact on corn rootworm populations and injury to the corn root system is by digging up plants and actually documenting the feeding injury. And we use a standardized scale from Iowa State University that rates from a zero to three how much feeding damage to those nodal roots has been done by corn rootworm larvae. Now there's a number of takeaway messages that we've gotten from doing these studies over the last several years at Snow. Um, one of those is to manage rootworm populations using crop rotation can really be great to keep the population low enough that really allows control methods to be their most effective. Um, what we can see is that when larval populations are really high, um, control methods can be overwhelmed. So even things that really are quite effective at low and medium um, infestation rates just can't make it over that threshold to very high population numbers. Um, we also want to avoid having the latest silking fields in your area. So this is actually a practice that we do on purpose um, to, in order to attract in beetles because we'll have the latest silking fields in our area, and then that sets us up to be able to have high populations to run our studies. But this is something you obviously want to avoid having happen in your fields if possible. Um, we've also found that the CRI-3435 protein are, is really the most effective BT protein, but even that can be overwhelmed whenever those rootworms are at really high population densities. Um, the neonicotinoid seed treatments um, really can help protect the seed whenever you have low rootworm pressure, um, but this really is only for early on in the season. And then not unlike what we talked about for the adults with the pyrethroids, um, we do find that for larvae as well, using a pyrethroid only is not going to be providing you with very much protection due to the resistance that's out there. So even though some of these liquid furrow ready products are inexpensive, they're easy to mix with your starter, if they're pyrethroid as the only active ingredient, um, they're not going to be giving you a strong amount of protection against rootworm larvae. Um, so the final thing I wanted to talk about was we've done some studies um, at Stumpf and in some surrounding commercial fields and where we've actually identified some beneficial species of fungi and of nematodes. So that's what this picture is showing here is actually a corn rootworm larva that's been infested by this metarhizium, which is a beneficial fungus and it actually kills um, the rootworm larvae. So we're looking at ways that we might be able to introduce this as sort of a additional supplement that could work together and hopefully in synergy with things like BT and with um, limited use of insecticides. Um, a similar story for the entomopathogenic nematodes. These are nematodes that make their living by attacking and killing insects. 
They're not going to be um, feeding on crop roots. They're not going to be introducing any diseases to crops. Really all they do is attack and kill insects. And so we're looking at ways to apply them and use these um, really as a biological control to help us combat this rootworm uh, pest. So really, I think that kind of brings it back to my first point in all this, which was that rootworm management is not a one or two silver bullets approach. You're going to be looking at multiple different control strategies and how they can work together. Um, so uh, finally, just wanted to say thank you and please feel free to contact me with any insight questions you might have. Uh, my email and phone and Twitter are all here. And thank you all very much.